Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit, the teacher, the one who you have given to guide us into truth, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Our prayer and our expectation today is that the Spirit of God that lives in us will reveal Jesus to us, reveal your mind to us, and change us from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, praise God. Open your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 3. We're going to beginning, begin at verse 1. And this morning, I want to speak to you out of the story of the healing of the lame man. As Peter and John went to the temple to pray, they met a lame man and they ministered healing to him. I think there's much in that story, in, you know, in every Bible passage, God intentionally chooses to reveal Christ to us and to speak to us. And this one is no different. I want to use this passage to talk to you and to remind you and me that God wants our lives to count. God wants us to live lives that make a difference every day. God wants us to be a blessing. God wants you and me to be the kind of people when others see us coming, they're glad we're headed their way because they realize the encounter they're about to have with us is going to lead them better. It's going to uplift them. It's going to strengthen them. It's going to empower them. That's not true of everybody. There's some people, when you see them coming, you see all of you laughing because you know what I'm talking about. If, you, if you're in the mall and you see them, you... You're hoping they don't see you. There's some people that you kind of run away from, you try to avoid, because every time there's an encounter with them, they don't add, they take. Amen? They drain you. They leave you weaker than you were. Amen? But, but there are people, and this is God's will for every one of us, that we would be the kind of people that literally others are glad when they see us because they know the encounter with us it's going, to, it's going to lead them better. It's, it's going to bless them. It's going to encourage them. It's going to strengthen them. It's going to help them. Are you, are you understand what I'm saying? Well, that is what Peter and John were to this lame man. That encounter with them changed him forever. Here was a man who had never walked. For 40 years had never walked. Had never been able to carry himself anywhere. He, he had to be carried. He was totally dependent. Couldn't shoulder his own responsibilities. Somebody else every day had to shoulder his responsibilities for him. For 40 years, never once walked. But here's an encounter with two of Jesus' disciples. And by the way, all of us are followers of Christ if we're in Christ. And so what we see happening here, how God used Peter and John to lift this man up, to strengthen this man, to do a miracle, to change not just a temporary uh, situation with money, but to change his life 
forever. That's exactly how God wants to use you and me. Because whether we realize it or not, there are a lot of people that are right outside of these gates. Some of them are here who are lame, not necessarily physically, but who are weak, who are hurting, who are broken, who are suffering, that we can be the instruments by whom God can work. So let's begin at verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together. Let's read together. I kind of want to hear your voices as well. Now Peter and John went up together. Okay, we'll stop there. Ninth hour, that's 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Jewish time. It was the practice of Judaism that they would pray three times a day. They would pray at 6 o'clock in the morning, they would pray at 12 o'clock, and then they would pray at 3 o'clock. So this is at 3 o'clock. Peter and John are going to the temple. Remember now, they grew up as Jews. Now they're Christians, right? And the Jewish faith places a whole lot of attachment and importance to the physical temple. That was where they would offer the blood sacrifice. Every day they were sacrificing an animal. Um, now, Peter and John used to do that. They used to participate in the sacrifices. They know by now that those sacrifices no longer are necessary because the sacrifice that ends all sacrifice had already taken place. Amen? And so they knew that. So I, I, I don't think it's by accident that the Holy Spirit didn't say they went to the temple at the hour of sacrifice. Because the sacrifice, as far as God is concerned and we're concerned, is no longer necessary. Because the sacrifice, thank God. You know, that's one of the things you should render thanks for, right? Because the sacrifice, the in all sacrifices, has been offered once and for all. And do you know when he said, what time it was when he said it is finished on the cross? It was 3 p.m. That's the time they're going to the temple because it was at 3 p.m. when the Jewish people would have been offering their blood sacrifice that Jesus Christ on the cross, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sins of the world, the Lamb of God that has taken all of my sins away, and if you're in him, has taken all your sins away so that you're righteous, you're holy, you're blameless, you're forgiven, you're perfect right now in the sight of God. It was at 3 p.m. when Jesus shouted, It, everybody say, It is finished. Now, some things did pass away with the sacrifice of Christ. One of the things that did not pass away was the importance of prayer. And so even though they were no longer offering sacrifices, their commitment to prayer, offering the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips, giving thanks unto God, did not diminish it became even greater. Listen to me. I pray this morning for you and me 
that while we no longer go to the physical temple to offer sacrifices, we'll always go to, into, come boldly into the Holy of Holies where the blood of Jesus speaks on our behalf. And the blood of Jesus opens the door to give us perfect access into the presence of God so that we can commune with our Father and have him commune with us. A place of prayer. May the prayer life of this church corporately and may our individual prayer lives go to another level as we consider what he has done for us. Say thank God for the power of prayer. And so now he goes to the temple. Now, at some point in the book of Hebrews, you know, they're going to be told you don't, to the Jewish people who are in Christ, you don't need to go to the temple. Why? Because God does not dwell in buildings. The building was only a symbol to point to what today in the new covenant is the church gathered. Wherever we are gathered together, we are the temple of God and there God's presence is. And to you who are the temple of the living God. You see, where God wants to meet with you today is within the gathering of his people. And also, he wants to meet with you on the inside of you where your spirit is and where his spirit is. And where spirit and spirit can fellowship and commune. Put your hand on your stomach. And say, God lives inside of me. Oh, Pastor Glenn, if I could sing again, I would sing. There's a holy God living inside of me. Hallelujah. Now, are you all able to help me with that one too? All right, help me please. I'm, if I can't do it, I'm going to rely on somebody else. Go ahead. There's a holy God living inside of yeah, me. Yeah, come on, sing it. Who walks and talks with me each day? Everywhere I go, I will always know there's a holy God living inside. Come on, put, put your hand on your stomachs and sing it with your heart. Not just when we gather together, but when you leave here, there's a holy God living inside of you. Tomorrow when you go to work, don't forget that. There's a holy God living inside of you. When you're facing a challenge, remember, there's a holy God living. A test, there's a holy God. A problem, there's a holy God. 
When you need a miracle, there's a holy God. When, when someone else needs a miracle and you are there, remember there's a holy God living inside of you. And you can become the vessel. You can become the instrument by whom and through whom he heals the sick, he delivers the oppressed, he encourages the weak, he blesses people. You carry his presence 24-7. Hallelujah. Now, you know, one of the questions I often ask myself is, how come Jesus didn't heal this man? Because, you know, Jesus went into that temple many times. And this man had been brought every day and placed at that temple. So, obviously, Jesus must have passed him by, went into the temple and came out many times. Why didn't Jesus heal him? Well, I, 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 I suspect one reason is he never asked Jesus. You have not because you, I mean, there were many people in Israel that were sick. There's no incident or account where anyone came to Jesus and asked to be healed, and Jesus did not heal him. So one of the reasons why this man had not gotten healed earlier by Christ was Jesus went in and out, in and out, and he never once asked for healing. You have not because you I wonder how many things God would have done we could have received. I wonder how many people we could have been a blessing to had we just bothered to ask God to lift it up to him in prayer and to believe. May God remind us of the power and the importance prayer. I am convinced if one day Jesus went by here and just said, Jesus son of David, like blind Bartimaeus cried out. Jesus son of David, have mercy upon me. Jesus would have stopped and said, what would you have me to do? And he would have said, Lord, that I may walk. It may be Jesus asked him what you would have me to do. He said, Lord, just give me a little bit of a change. Because that day when Peter and John was going, that's what he wanted, a little bit of. Hmm? You see, he had been in this situation for so long. He thought the most he could expect, the most he could get was a little bit of change. But the change he wanted and the change he needed were two different things. The change he wanted and the change God wanted for him were two different things. The change he experienced was far greater than the change he asked for. Peter and John were vessels and instruments of that change that day. There's just a second reason why why. This time he's going to get healed. It's because, you know, besides asking, there's also called God's sovereign purpose. There's some things God does, and he chooses the time. Because it's not about the thing itself. It's about a greater purpose. 
listen to me. There's some things you have not received because you haven't asked. asked. And there's some things you have not received yet because what God has in mind is to fulfill a purpose far greater than just the miracle you're asking for. So Martha and Mary, they sent a request. Jesus, come, your friend Lazarus is sick. And the Bible says Jesus purposefully, intentionally delayed several days. And then after Lazarus had died, he said, now let's go. This sickness is not unto death. And he shows up at the grave of Lazarus. You know the story. And Jesus says, unto the man who had been dead for four days, rise. And Lazarus came forth. His sisters didn't want Jesus to do it because they said, Lord, if you had come when he was sick, you could have healed him for sure. But not only has he died, maybe if you had come one hour after he died or two hours after he died, but now it's been four days, he started to smell. And Jesus said, look, the one you're talking to. <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. Your brother will live again. And so we see here, it was not just a healing. There was a purpose. God wanted to reveal his son in a way that required Lazarus to die first. Because if Lazarus hadn't died first, all we could know is that Jesus can heal the sick. But God wants to know that the Jesus who can heal the sick, even if he doesn't heal the sick, can raise the dead. Say hallelujah. So let me tell you something. All of those who we have prayed for and have died, listen to me, one day they will hear the voice of the one who is the resurrection and the life. And they who were dead shall live. Are you hearing me? For Jesus said, he who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. There's a purpose in God's dealing. God is not so much concerned about the time and the day. He's concerned about purpose. And his dealings are tied to purpose. Hallelujah. So he extends his hand. He's looking for some change. But the change he's going to experience is far greater than the change he's asking for. He was selling himself short. He was willing to accept less than he could receive. Hear me. Don't settle for less than God has promised. Don't settle for less than God has planned for you in Christ. Don't settle for less than the name of Jesus can do for you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And immediately he leaps and begins to walk and to jump and to praise the Lord. He was going to settle for a little pocket change. When the plan of God 
the purpose of God, the promises of God, and the name of Jesus could deliver so much more. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, yes, one lesson to learn. Don't accept less than what the name of Jesus, than what the promises of God can deliver to you in your situation. No, somebody needs to hear me because I'm declaring now to you in the name of Jesus, you receive your miracle. What you need is not a little bit of pocket change. What you need is not just enough to support you. God wants to do more than that. God wants to change not just your circumstances, but God wants to change you, and God wants to change your life. Are you listening to me? God wants to do the miraculous in your situation. So don't settle for less than what the name of Jesus and the promises of God can give to you in that situation. Everybody shout, in the name of Jesus, I receive God's best. In the name of Jesus, I surrender to God's plan. In the name of Jesus, I take hold of God's promise. Now, everybody, I'm going to come. One, two, three. I want you to say, so be it. Everybody, so be it. One more time. So be it. Oh, my goodness. One more time. So be it. Hallelujah. Now. Let's, 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 let's go back to the, to, the, to the passage. Let's read. Let's continue to read. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms for those who entered the temple. Next verse. Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for what? That's the little change they wanted, verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Peter said what? Verse 5. So he gave, one translation said he fixed his attention, expecting to receive some. Now that's important. I told you one reason I believe he didn't get a miracle from Jesus was he never asked. And, and you see, Peter and John, they say to this man, look at us. So here's how he was doing. This is how he was begging. Every day. Please, every day, every day. But this time, quickened by the Holy Spirit, and watch you. Peter and John are disciples of Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus. And we're talking about how to make your life count. Hear me. Peter and John could have passed and just gone 
in and gone out and gone in and gone out and no miracle would have happened. But this time, God's purpose, even though the man isn't asking, he's not really praying for a miracle, Peter is quickened by the Holy Spirit that God wants to do something in this man's life. But what God wants to do is not going to happen without this man's participation. As you move about, as you go, it may be that you, you know, every day you go to work, every day you go to work, and you do your job, and you go home, you go to work, but one day when you go to work, the Holy Ghost quickens you that today I want to do something in that sister's life. Today, I want to do something for that man. The day I want to do something for her. Listen to me. Be ready. Amen. When the Spirit quickens you, be ready to move and act upon the quickening of the Holy Ghost. Because God is about to do a miracle through you. God is about to bless someone through you. God is about to make your life count. God is about to use you to make a difference for somebody else. That would have eternal implications. Be available. And where was this man? This man was right outside of the temple, outside of the church. We leave here every day, Sunday, we go out there. And ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, disciples of Jesus Christ, there are people like this man that we pass by every day. Before you leave your house, say, Lord, I'm, I'm your vessel. Holy Ghost, you're living inside of me. I present myself to you. I, I, I yield myself to you. I want you to work through me today as you lead. To minister to people, to bless people, to help people, to reveal Jesus to somebody who I meet today who doesn't even know he needs Jesus. Somebody who needs to be saved, who thinks all he needs is money. Use me today. To reveal Christ. Listen, let's leave our homes expecting to be used by God to bless people along the way. It may not be everybody you meet, but there may be somebody that day. And the more we pray and ask God to use us, the more God will set these kinds of appointments up. You will go for one thing and you will discover that the real reason you're at that place. Are you hearing me? It's because God wants to make you a channel of his transformative grace. So that somebody who you will encounter, who God will encounter through you, will literally have their lives changed forever. Sometimes the healing will be physical. Other times it's emotional. Sometimes it's psychological. Sometimes it's it's, it's, it's spiritual. Sometimes I don't, I don't know what the needs are. But ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and sisters, disciples of Christ, what God did through Peter and John that day is exactly what God wants to do through you and me. And he has put his spirit inside of you for that purpose. So let's be available. Let's expect to respond. Jesus said, I do what I see my father doing. He said, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. You are being led. I am being led by the Spirit of God. Let's start acknowledging that. See, I'm a child of God. And every day, as a child of God, I am being led 
by the Spirit of God. I'm a vessel carrying God's presence, carrying God's power, carrying the miraculous power of God, carrying the transformative grace of God, able to release that in the name of Jesus. You see, you're qualified. Peter and John were no more qualified than you are because they needed the blood of Jesus just as much as we do. And what the blood did for them, the blood has done for us. Are you with me? So they, they're coming in and they quicken. And the first thing Peter says is, look at us. Now, this is similar to how Jesus ministered to people. Almost always, if not always, when Jesus didn't just come and just heal, but he always required them to focus on him. Fix. Look at us. And he lifted up his eyes and he fixed his attention on them. There was something about what Peter said to this man that quickened his faith and quickened his expectation. This was a different encounter because other people would just drop the money and keep going. But when Peter this time said, look at us, and he looked up, he may not have known what Peter was about to give him, but he was expecting something and perhaps something more than regular change. This is important. Because if the Lord is going to use us, there needs to be an expectation. And if people are going to receive, there needs to be an expectation. And people who will receive from Christ and be changed, transformed permanently, who will have their lives completely changed, have to learn that the key to the miracle is to fix your attention on him. Jesus cannot really minister and do great things in and through people who don't fix their attention on him. We run this race looking at Jesus. And here's the problem. This is the first time this man is fixing his attention and expecting something. There are so many people who unfortunately come to church and have been part of the church for years. This man, 40 years, some of us, 40 years. Amen? Old and young who have been exposed to the opportunity to be healed, transformed, made different, changed, and who have experienced no change. Why is that? It's because they haven't heard the words, look at us, or look at him. They haven't heard the word, and they have not fixed their attention on him. I don't see anybody sleeping right now. If I did, I won't, I won't point it out. 
But how many of you know you're not going to be transformed in the presence of God where miracles can happen? Your life is not going to change if you come to church or you live your life where your attention is not fixed on him. You see, that's the key to receiving miracles. That's the key to being channels by whom Christ can work. That's the key to change and transformation, whether it's spiritual, emotional, financial, physical. If you want Christ to work in you, if you want Christ to work through you, if you want Christ to work on you, if you want Christ to work for you, if you want Christ to do what needs to be done in your life, if you want the plan and purposes of God for you, which are greater than the plans and purposes of God that you have for yourself to come to pass, hear me, disciple, believer, child of God. You've got to lift up your eyes. And you've got to fix your attention always on him. I know, I know, I know a lot of folks come and they take a trip while the preacher is preaching. They, they take a mental trip. Their, their minds are, are, are very active, but the problem is they're not active on what is being preached. They, they're planning their moral. They're planning what they're going to do after the day. They're fussing with themselves because they didn't do something they should have done. Oh, they remember, oh, when I go, I have to call so-and-so. And I'm Bishop Johnson this year preaching because the Spirit of God is giving him a word for you. And you're not paying attention. Young people, old people, in between people. <laughs> then you wonder why there is so little, if any, transformation taking place. I mean, I don't understand how anyone can sit in this church and hear the word, experience the worship that takes place here, and there's no transformation in the way they live. There can be only one explanation. You're not, your attention isn't on Jesus. Your attention is not on the word. This is the key, both to being a channel of God's grace, an instrument that God will use to make your life count and to receive. So you come back, wherever that trip is. It'll be interesting for everybody to tell us the journey they took while Bishop was preaching. So come back, come back, come back. No, but seriously. This man would not have gotten his miracle if he had not obeyed Peter's instructions. Lift up your eyes. Stop focusing on you and lift up your eyes. Look at us, which really means look at us as we point you to Jesus. Because what you need to be doing is fixing your attention, your mind, your thoughts, your eyes on him. Who has your attention? Because that's the person who's determining the outcome of your life. Does Jesus really, absolutely, 
have your attention. Or you simply glance at him and then you focus on what is really important to you. And unfortunately, what's really and most important to you is you. Well, if you fix your eyes on you, then you become your source. But I challenge you, and let's learn from this example. Every one of us, take your eyes off of you. Take your eyes off of your circumstances. I know sometimes that can be hard, right? If you are, you're, you're, I mean, there are just some things that are hard, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, to lessen the reality of pain and the reality of suffering. But what I'm saying is the answer, the breakthrough doesn't come by focusing on it. Lift up your eyes and fix your eyes on him. In particular, fix your eyes on what Christ did for you on that cross. You're going through some tests right now. You're going through some trials right now. You want transformation. You don't want just a little change. You want a real transformation. Well, this is how you get it from God. You take your eyes off of you and you start to expect God to intervene and you begin to focus and fix your attention on him. Don't take your eyes off the finished work of the cross. Believe and keep believing that Jesus died for you and in dying for you and then resurrecting and then giving his life to you. God has provided you in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and in the impartation of Jesus' life to you. God has provided the answer and the solution to whatever you're facing. The answer is in Christ. Do you hear me? Say whatever I'm facing. The solution, the answer to the prayer is in Christ. God has given me Christ and in receiving Christ, I receive everything in him and everything that's inside of him, I receive when I received him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. So they, 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 they instructed him to fix their eyes, really, not on them, but on Jesus. Because as they looked at them, as, they looked at, as he looked at them, they pointed him to who? Because Peter said, in the name of Jesus. Peter said, silver and gold, I don't have. I'm not pointing you to me. Later on, when the people begin to worship, no, 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 it's not because of our holiness. He says, it's the name of Jesus. He says, it's faith in the name of Jesus. It's through faith in the name of Jesus. He said, that's the only reason. It's not because we are extra holy. It's not because we're special. It's not because we have done this and done that. He says, the reason this man is whole is because we got him to get his eyes on Jesus and our eyes are on Jesus. He says, it's the name of Jesus. And what the devil will do, and this is the essence of spiritual warfare, the devil tries to get your mind off of Jesus. He, he tries to get you looking for an answer outside of Christ. Don't let him do it. Amen? The Bible tells us we bring captivity 
take captive every thought. We cast down vain imaginations. And we bring captive every thought to what? In other words, we, sub, we cause all of our thoughts to line up with all that Christ did for us by his obedience. Do you hear me? Taking your thought captive to the obedience of Christ means lining up my thoughts and, and refusing to have the enemy move me away from this so that my thoughts are lined up with all that I know Christ by his obedience has accomplished. So by your obedience, you have saved my soul. By your obedience, my sins have been forgiven. By your obedience, I have received healing. By your obedience, God supplies all my needs. Do you hear me? You still here? How much more time I got? Oh, my goodness. So this is the introduction. Yeah, this is the introduction. We'll continue next week. So how many of you are coming back next week? You see, if your attention is fixed, I'm, I'm being serious. If your attention is fixed, you know where you're going to be next week? Right here. Amen, because you, 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 you want to hear, you want to know, you want to hear. You, so you are fixed on Jesus. Okay, I don't know who's playing basketball next week Sunday, or I don't know what, what if your attention is fixed, you're going to be where? With your notebook. Amen, and after church, you're going to go to the, Facebook page or our church website or something, or YouTube, and you're going to say, I'm going to listen to that again and again because I want my mind to be renewed because my mind is fixed on him. So I will continue next week because if I, if I try to finish now, I will, I will not do justice. But are you glad you came? Did you get enough to bless you? Enough to feed on? Yeah, yeah. Don't let it go through one ear or the other. You know, this is, listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, let him who hears, let him who has ears, hear. Jesus is talking about attention. He said, I gave you ears to hear. Do you understand? So hearing is important. Hear and hear and hear until you understand and keep hearing so God gives you even more understanding. Let him who has ear hear. Meaning there are a lot of folks who have ears and they don't hear. Say to neighbor, he's not talking about me because I intend to use my ears, my physical ears, and my spiritual ears to hear what he is saying to me and to the church. So let me just quickly summarize what I did say today. I did say that like Peter and John, vessels through whom God was able to work 
God's plan is for all of us to be vessels like Peter and John. To be instruments by whom and through whom his spirit can work in order to bless others, lift them up. Be instruments of his transformative grace. I did say God wants you to be the kind of person when people see you, they're glad you're coming. Because they know by, with, that, with this encounter, they're going to be blessed, they're going to be encouraged, they're going to be strengthened. And when that encounter ends, they're going to feel empowered in some way to be able to do what they couldn't do before, to do more than they could do. But your interaction with them will always leave them empowered. So how do I want you to respond to that which I have said? I would invite you by the power of the Holy Spirit to make a decision that you will be such an instrument. Hmm? And with that decision, this is the first step you need to take. Give priority to prayer. Because even as I've already said, I'm going to repeat, this miracle took place while Peter and John were on their way to prayer. God used Peter. On another occasion, Peter got a revelation from heaven that Peter, don't call unclean that which I have called clean. That took place during a time of prayer. If we will be instruments always ready and available to be quickened by the Spirit and used by the Spirit, even in the lives of people who are not expecting it, then what we have to do is be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit is nurtured during times and seasons of prayer. God's people spend time with God. God's people spend time in the Word. God's people spend time in worship. God's people spend time fellowshipping. Be one of those who are always found in God's presence. Whether you are going from one place to another, you carry him, commune with him always. And everybody in the church said? And everybody in the church said? Amen. Amen. So from now on, you will go and do what? You will pay attention to who? In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Well, okay, now let me, let, me be, let, me, let, me be, let me just be direct with you. I didn't preach this sermon to get you to give money. No, I didn't, okay? I didn't preach this sermon to get you to give money, but I will use this sermon now. To tell you it's important that you worship God with your tithes and your offerings. Are you hearing me? This gospel is our responsibility. He has given it to us to preach it to all the world. There are missionaries that need support. It costs a lot of money to operate these facilities. How is it going to be supported? As God blesses you, then you are the instruments that God uses to supply the needs 
financially of his work. The system God has put in place primarily for supporting the preaching of the gospel is giving of our substance, our tithes, our offerings, faithfully and generously. Nobody can force you, but giving faithfully and generously is, is part of the Christian life. That's our stewardship responsibilities. So it's important, don't let 10% or 20% of the people do all the giving. Everybody do what God has enabled to you to do through your tithing and through your generosity. And every need will be met without any, any challenge at all. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you haven't been tithing, start tithing. If you haven't been giving, start giving. Oh, let me say this one thing. Let me say this one thing. I'm going to preach a little bit away. What's more? I'm going to extend the sermon. What did Peter and, and, and John say to the man when the man asked for healing? Peter said, silver and gold I have not. You know, I'm going to just take that literally. Because it's true, some men of God and some of God's people go through seasons where literally they can say right now silver and gold I don't have any the bank account is almost on zero you know I got some bills to pay my children need to go to school I got the rent and right now I don't know where the money is coming from hmm? I believe one of the reasons Peter was going to pray that day was because he needed a miracle he needed a financial breakthrough. But here's the point. If you wait until you have no need and everything in your life is perfect, you'll never be an instrument that God can work through. You've got to be the kind of person who has your own needs. And in spite of your own needs, you are an instrument blessing others. So don't wait until you got all of your bills paid before you give. Don't wait until all of your problems are resolved before you start to serve. Because if you do that, you'll never do it. All of us, if you were to, if each of us was to be honest with you, everybody here has some area of need. We've got to be the kind of people who, in spite of the needs we have, are yielding ourselves to God. Say, God, you will take care of my business, but right now I'm committed to you taking care of your business as you enable me to. That's a, that's a powerful attitude to have. And, and what often happens when you live that way is amazing. While you're being an instrument for God to use to bless others, God is working for you. So if you need a miracle, this is not the time to be waiting for everything to be right before you do what God would have you to do. Let God use you. While you are in the midst of your own challenges, Keep presenting yourself to God to be vessels. In the end, God will be glorified and you will be blessed. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, let's give in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.